Welcome back to Podcast 92 of 2022. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us the Ozbreakers. Follow us on social media slash the Ozbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by Shot Quality Bets. For 20% off Shot Quality, please visit ShotQualityBets.com. Use the promo code ODDS23 to get a better perspective in betting college basketball. If you'd like to support the Ozbreakers and benefit from our premium plays, please visit theosbreakers.com, click shop, and become a member. Pick any of our premium handicappers to get their premium plays before the line moves. You can also support us on patron.com. And if nothing else, please visit theosbreakers and become a free, free picks and telegram newsletter subscriber. Happy New Year, my friends. It was a great Christmas weekend, and we are rolling right into the new year here. I am going solo today on this podcast too much going on this week lots of vacations lots of travel so unfortunately for you you're just going to have to put up with my bullshit only and uh, apologize ahead of time for that but I still was able to prepare a great show for you because I'm going to go over the rest of college bowls the 30th the 31st and the second as well as the college football playoffs and NFL week 17. Gotta tell you, I'm a little bit groggy today, a little bit hungover. Actually, very hungover. My wife and I went out last night. We were gonna go to the Badger game, the Badgers versus Oklahoma State in the guaranteed rate bowl. But unfortunately, during the day, my daughter came down with strep throat. <laughs> she was feeling pretty bad and in, uh, in de- some definite pain. And it kind of put a little damper on the situation. My uh, mother-in-law was watching the kids for us, but instead of going to a stadium, spending money, we didn't want to have to come driving back if she was having a bad night. So instead we went local and uh, went out to get some food and some drinks and uh, watched the game at a bar. And I got to tell you, it turned out to be pretty fun. (laughs) We uh, just kind of started inviting people, you know, friends and they started showing up on a Tuesday. I was pretty surprised. And then they called friends and they started showing up. And all of a sudden, we had this massive table of people drinking a bunch of shots. So it was uh, an eventful night. And uh, I definitely <laughs> felt it in the morning. Thank goodness my daughter slept through the night and is much better today now that she's on antibiotics. But uh, <laughs> might be a little bit slow and not as quick witted today uh, coming into this podcast just due to that craziness, but I had a blast, and I thank all my friends for uh, showing up and uh, calling their friends and turning into one huge badger party, because that's what we did. We watched the uh, the Guaranteed Rate Bowl and the other bowls before that, had a great 3-0 and college uh, football day, 1-0, and and college basketball, so that was wonderful. Right now, I'm actually going to be uh, watching this Kansas versus Arkansas game while Kansas is slowly choking away their point spread thanks to turnovers, but at least <laughs> the over has some prayer in this game, which is the other angle that I took. But uh, you might get some uh, game updates from myself that you probably already know because you'll be getting this show tomorrow. So before I get into 
college football bowls. I want to talk a little bit about teasing college football. Now, you shouldn't tease college football as an official play. (laughs) Trust me, I've tried it for years in the past uh, based on low totals like Iowa games, Kentucky games, San Diego State games, and it still just didn't work out for the most part because college football just has too much variance. It's officiated differently than the NFL. And these Iowa and San Diego State slow-playing type teams, sometimes you'll get a, a like a 16-3, to 3, you know, 20-10 to 10 type scores where the teaser doesn't even factor in anyway. But I want to give you one caveat that is okay to tease college football, and that's when you're getting out of a bet. And I did this with uh, a bet that I didn't like anymore. You see, with college bowls, you're going to make some early bets, and you're going to try to make some educated guesses and some predictions. My One of them that I didn't like that I discussed with Brad Powers and Chris Felica over the last two weeks was my Oklahoma side. So my educated guess right when the lines came out was, well, hell, I mean, Florida State's going to have some holdouts for sure. You know, they've gotten a lot of talent in the past. And, uh, you know, obviously Mike Norvell is a terrible bowl coach. I also thought that Brett Venables, being his first year, is going to want to come in and make some noise, right? Maybe help out some of his recruiting. That didn't exactly start with a bang for Oklahoma. But uh, apparently I was wrong. Couple guys are holding out. Two offensive linemen are holding out, and the spread just kind of getting worse and worse. And it went all the way to nine and a half. Well, that was one side I didn't love. The other side was one that I didn't love as much. I just thought it'd be a really close game. But some respected betters had Georgia Southern that I respected. I had Buffalo, and I stuck with Buffalo on my free picks article. You saw that I didn't exactly uh, not play them. You know, I still. Liked it at three and a half. I just kind of thought that Georgia Southern would win between zero and six or seven points, you know. But, you know, I I was like, this is going to be a close game. Not loving the three and a half. I'm in a situation where Florida State is really starting to like them. But do I want to just dump on my bet? Not necessarily. So I did a seven point teaser. And what I was able to do was take. Georgia Southern from minus three and a half to plus three and a half. So you get through both three numbers, the key numbers of three, and you know how three is the most important number in all of football. And I took the Florida State from nine and a half all the way down to two and a half. Well, lo and behold, I hit the Buffalo bet anyway. They won outright. So that that was cool, I guess. But uh, Georgia Southern was able to uh, cover that spread with that late touchdown, I was getting a little concerned about it, but they covered it, and I set myself up with a nice middle opportunity. So I have a larger play in the teaser, 4.4 uh, stars. Was it basically a four-star bet? So 4.4 units. So that covers my Buffalo bet as well as my Oklahoma bet. And now I have Florida State plus or minus 2.5, and, and I have Oklahoma plus 7.5. So I'm still in between the key numbers of 3 four, and seven on this game anyway. I have a larger play in the teaser, as you know, because I already covered my one half and won. But if I can win uh, the teaser, I get paid more, and I just lose the Oklahoma side, which I didn't like anymore. 
And if some reason Oklahoma covers and it happens to be within three to seven points, I'm in great shape. I hit all of my bets. So that's a way to kind of help mitigate the damage of these highly varianced bowl games. <laughs> you know, I, I, I love betting the bowls and I'm right most of the time. I'm on the right side of the line moves, but sometimes you're not. And uh, as long as I am more right than wrong, I'm in a great shape. But I found a way in the past to get out of these situations. Other ways I could have teased Florida State is obviously with the NFL. But um, some books only do uh, one teaser per league. You can't mix them up. So uh, keep that in mind as well. All right, let's get into these college bowls then. Friday, December 30th, the Dukes. Mayo Bowl, NC State versus Maryland. Maryland minus one, total is 48. This is at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina. So the motivation, I put medium for Maryland, and uh, I think the motivation for NC State is medium low. Um, It's just so close to home. It doesn't really feel like they're rewarded that much. I'm sure there's going to be some motivation to try to beat the Big Ten, but the preseason expectations is what I like to factor in too sometimes. Kids after the season, you know, a lot of people had them as their sleeper to beat Clemson and win the ACC. (laughs) I myself might have done that. (laughs) Uh, Maryland is in a situation where Tunga Viola is going to play. Talia is going to play, and uh, that's wonderful. And I think that kind of pumps the team up. Now, home field, definitely NC State, 165 miles away. Uh, Dave Doran is 5-2 and in bowls, and Mike Loxley is 1-0. So you're going to give an edge to uh, Dave Duran probably there. But uh, there's going to be a few holdouts for Maryland, Dante Demas and Jacob Copeland. And then for NC State, obviously, Devin Leary has gone, their quarterback that played, you know, half the season. MJ Morris uh, is their other quarterback that's gone. So uh, a running back, Demi Sumo uh, Karnbayi, I think that's the way I destroyed his name. Uh, wide receiver Devin Carter is in the transfer portal. NC State's got the better defense. But Maryland is just kind of better as a whole. And Maryland's defense isn't horrible. I mean, they really kept with Ohio State this year for most of that game. Um, Maryland's going to be without two of their best three receivers, but they at least have one and some young kids out there that's going to try to make some noise. I think they're going to play hard for uh, Talia. So I I think you're going to have a good motivation advantage for Maryland. And I think that this is just the middle of the road, Big Ten versus middle of the road ACC game where I'm going to pick the Big Ten because I think the Big Ten is better than the ACC. So I'll take that minus one. I took them for two stars. Now for the Sun Bowl, Pitt versus UCLA, UCLA minus five and a half, total 53 and a half. In El Paso, Texas, I say medium motivation for both. I mean, Slovis is gone, but I don't think the team cares that much. Uh, uh, This is kind of the last chance to show off for the NFL for Dorian Thompson-Robinson, so I think he's going to be pretty motivated there. So nothing extravagant, so I just put medium motivation. Um, Normal is what I probably should say. Pat Narduzzi is a terrible bowl coach, one and four against the spread, while Chip Kelly is two and two. More and more guys keep sitting out here for Pitt, so I'm I'm soured on them a little bit, and I think I have a bad number um, on them. Uh, this is spreads five and a half, six in some books now. I think my spread is three and a half or four, or something like that. But uh, now that edge rusher 
Deslin Alexander is opting out. And then you obviously have Baldonado is injured for them. A couple edges are transferring. Sam Williams, John Morgan, a safety Brandon Hill is opting out. He's probably the best safety defensive tackle. Uh, Cansey is out. Just a lot of guys that um, are, are kind of just at the end here leaving. So not super happy about that. The strength of schedule is pretty equal. UCLA has got a .37 net yards per play advantage. And the bowl is going to be kind of like offense versus defense. But, man, Pittsburgh's defense is really leaking oil right now. Um, being that they're fourth in sack margin, if they can still get to DTR somehow, then this is going to be a close game. But it's all going to rely on the pass rush because if they can't get a pass rush, they will get blown out. I'm going to still lean pit at the five and a half, six. But I would not play them until it hits like a seven. So I'm a, I get a small play on pit for like one star. So I'm not really that worried about it. Uh, we'll see what happens. Gator Bowl. South Carolina versus Notre Dame. Notre Dame minus two and a half, total 51 and a half. This is in Jacksonville, Florida. And South Carolina's motivation should be medium high. Bad start, but made the bowl game. North Carolina's motivation, medium low. Drew Pine is transferring. I think Notre Dame probably wanted something bigger, but that ended the first game with Ohio State, really. Let's face it. Uh, Marcus Freeman 0-1 in bowl games. Shane Beaner 1-0. You know the good thing about Notre Dame right now? You might have Tyler Buckner play this game. You know How huge is that? Tyler Buckner. Um, I think that uh, Jacob Lacey is in the transfer portal. And obviously, Michael Mayer, their awesome tight end, opted out. But, I mean, it's Notre Dame. They're going to have some tight ends coming in here. South Carolina, uh, you're going to have your uh, quarterback, Spencer Rattler, probably wants to show off a little bit for uh, the NFL or something. I, I think he's going to be motivated to beat Notre Dame. But there's just a ton of other guys transferring and injured couple injuries on the receivers, Antoine Wells, Josh Van, a couple other transferring out. Uh, defensive lineman Zach Pickens is opting out. Cam Smith, cornerback, is opting out. Darius Rush, a cornerback, is opting out. So you, you're going to lose a ton of people with South Carolina. There's too many opt-outs here to care about stats. So it doesn't even matter. But I think Buckner's going to play, which is the original starting quarterback for Notre Dame. I think that's huge. I think it's kind of a free roll under the three. I like the Irish here. I know they made some noise at the end of the season, but a lot of guys are now gone. Take the Irish at minus two and a half for two stars. How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountains? Next, the Arizona Bowl, Ohio versus Wyoming. Wyoming's plus one. Total is 42. This is uh, the Barstool Bowl, I believe, in Tucson, Arizona. Ohio's motivation is going to be medium high. Tucson's not much different than Tombstone, but at least it's warmer. Wyoming's motivation is going to be medium. Uh, not sure what all these kids are going to do here against a Mac school. I think they're going to want to beat them down. Here's the thing that's the biggest thing. Craig Bowl, 11-3 against the spread. That is massive in bowl games. Ohio's got their quarterback injured, Curtis Rourke. He's done. Wyoming's got all four running backs injured or transferring out. 
they don't have a running back that played this year. I think they're going to be able to pull up some red, some red shirts to do it, but really weird situation with their running backs. This is an ugly total of 42. I still lean to the under. I mean, Ohio, here's the thing, 11-3 and three against the spreads. He knows something about these bowls to get these kids going. I, I, I have to lean to that. I might be playing Wyoming with some beer money here at the minus one or pick them or whatever it is, but I'm not. I'm just going to wait to the very last minute. Yeah, <laughs> uh, equal in yards per play, both of them about even in net yards per play. I watched Ohio's game in the MAC championship versus Toledo, and they just look god awful. Not saying Toledo's a bad team by any means, but man, did they look god awful? And uh, <laughs> I just. Uh, don't trust Ohio here. So lean to Wyoming. I'm probably going to throw a few beer bucks on it. Orange Bowl, Tennessee versus Clemson. Clemson minus five and a half, total 63 and a half. That's kind of been sitting at five and a half for a long time, just like a rock. You know, it's kind of like almost a touchdown. <laughs> uh, everyone's afraid of what Tennessee did to Vanderbilt, I guess. They, t- they have a solid team. I mean, they really do, but um, I hate the fact that they have two receivers opting out, Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman. Josh Heupel is only one and three against the spread in bowl games postseason, while Dabble Sweeney in the postseason here in college is 12 and six, so big advantage to Dabble Sweeney there. Uh, Clemson's got a few guys that are injured, uh, wide receiver Bull Collins and a couple other guys transferring, but... Um, I'm close to uh, making a small play on Clemson, but there's another route that I like. I think that it's hard to figure out what the upgrade is uh, from Cole Klubnik. If you know, obviously DJ Uigungalele transferred to now Oregon State, believe it or not. But um, what's the upgrade here? I don't know. You know, especially when Clemson lost. Um, Two of two of the top four receivers, so I'm concerned for that. I like the under. I like that more, and that's why I bet the under. It's because I don't know how good Joe Milton really is. Look at his stats when they blew out Vanderbilt. It wasn't like he was throwing for 400 passing yards. He didn't have to do nothing. It was all defensive picks and special teams. You know, his touchdowns, and he didn't have to do shit. So why is you know? Why is this total so high? I don't know if Tennessee's going to score much. I know they play fast, and Josh Heupel's going to have them play fast, but Clemson to be pounding the ball. And Clemson has their own issues. I trust Dabo's defense here more than I do Heupel. So I like Clemson, probably under the touchdown here. I'm going to see if there's any more opt-outs and probably put a little bit on Clemson. But I like the under 63.5 more for two stars. Well, I've been with the best. And I beat the best. I've retired more men than Social Security. (laughs) Next game, and we're getting into Saturday now. The Music City Bowl. Iowa versus Kentucky. Kentucky plus two and a half. Total 31.5. It's actually 31 now in some books. Just disgusting. Nissan Stadium in Nashville, Tennessee. Iowa's motivation? Medium. Fun destination for the kids. Nash, Vegas. I have to give motivation to uh, probably Iowa. 
And I'll tell you in a second why. Um, I don't think the Kentuckians like Tennessee. <laughs> I think it's more of a like a rival for them. And maybe they're not going to show up in droves, even though they're only 212 miles away from campus there. But um, Kirk Ferentz is 11-6-1 in bowls. So here's another big college bowl coach that cares. Ooh, Kansas making a comeback here. Come on, Kansas. Uh, Mark Stoops, 3-2-1 in bowls. So not too bad. Uh, Will Levis, obviously gone. Chris Rodriguez, the running back, opted out, and he's gone. And also uh, another running back, Kavosi Smoke, is gone. What an awesome name, by the way. Smoke? Fuck. Uh, Iowa, Alex Padilla, transfer portal. Quesadilla. And quarterback Spencer Petrus is injured. So who cares? Is <laughs> what I want to say. Iowa's quarterback Joey Labas has never attempted a pass. And uh, Kia Sharon is going to be at the helm, who didn't do much for the Wildcats. But both teams are without a quarterback for the most part. And that's why you see this low total. But um, I think Kentucky lost more with their two main running backs. So uh, I, I, I like Iowa in this game, but I took them at Pickham. I found a minus 125. You know, try to find the best money line price that you can. But um, I, I just think that Kirk Ferentz's 11 6 and 1 is very trustworthy here. They, this team she shows up for bowl games. They do every year. I remember the year they beat USC as a big dog, they beat the crap out of them. So uh, neither offense any good. If, if a pick six or something happens, this can completely throw it for you. But I, I think there's a little bit of value on Iowa. Uh, we'll do Iowa money line all the way up to minus 130, I'll say, for 1.5 stars. Another warned me about getting into cars with strange men. This isn't a good Sugar Bowl, Alabama versus Kansas State. Kansas State plus six, total is 56 and a half. This is starting to creep up in some books. Starting to see some six and a halves. Yeah, it's kind of the way I thought it was going to go. Caesar Superdome, New Orleans, Louisiana. Kansas State's motivation is going to be high, playing Nick Saban in Alabama. Alabama's motivation, I say medium, but I don't count out Nick Saban here, and it sounds to me these kids want to win. Same thing happened back in 2019. When everyone said Alabama had bigger expectations. Well, no. Nick Saban says, go up and whoop ass so I can keep recruiting five-star kids. So Alabama, their home field is a little bit closer, I think, to here. 288 miles away from Tuscaloosa to New Orleans. Chris Kleiman uh, is 1-1 one one in bowls. Nick Saban, 11-8 at Alabama. I didn't count the LSU days or anything, uh, or even Michigan State days. He's 11-8, and eight, and, uh, you know, it's Bama. So far, no major transfers or opt-outs affecting this bowl game. Uh, I I think that's huge, <laughs> you know. Um, I, I guess looking at the Alabama's offense, I mean, they're still extremely good. 1.4 net yards per play here. Bama's going to lose a few guys transferring, no one major like I mentioned, but it looks like Bryce Young, Jameer Gibbs, the running back, uh, edge rusher Will Anderson, who the Bears are salivating over, uh, cornerback Malachi Moore, safety Jordan Battle, safety Brian Branch are all in right now. So that's big. Uh, Will Howard's going to probably quarterback for Kansas State. I can't think that they're going to go back to Martinez. Um and he did a great job as a game manager against TCU. 
this is Bama here. Um, I think that Bama's going to be very, very motivated coming into this game to show them who they are. Big 12 team versus Alabama. You're getting Alabama with most of their starters under seven points. Just think of that. You know, just think of that. If it, it, When are you going to get this opportunity again? I slammed Alabama at six, minus six for three stars, and I, I like it all the way up to really minus seven. I, my number's minus nine and a half, and I might still be a little bit too low. So take Bama at the minus six for three stars. The dynasty has just begun. Fiesta Bowl, college football playoffs, Michigan versus TCU, plus eight, plus seven and a half in some books, total 58, 4 p.m. Eastern. You know, tickets are dropping in price for this. I don't know why. A lot of people are buy- bought them for 500 Must be because Southwest happened to screw over all of their passengers and, uh, <laughs> and everyone's stuck in different cities. Uh, you might be stuck listening to this podcast. Please let me know if you are. But, man, uh, what a terrible situation for that. Hopefully, Michigan and TCU is not flying Southwest. But, uh, you know, being that they're a monopoly, they do not have to lower rates and you're pretty much screwed to uh, have to take them anyway. So uh, this situation, State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona. Michigan is going to be extremely motivated, just like TCU. There's no question about that. Um, Michigan's got more fans than TCU. They're a bigger school. TCU's undergrad, six to 9,000 people probably, when Michigan's like, what, thirty to 40,000 at least. Uh, Harbaugh, not great postseason. You know, remember all the crap he's always got three and five against the spread. Sonny Dykes, TCU, two and two. Uh, two of Harbaugh's postseason losses were Alabama and Georgia, though, as you know. Uh, Michigan's not going to have Blake Corum. <laughs> so what? They're not going to have uh, Titan Colston Loveland is injured. He might play. <sighs> TCU's going to be very healthy coming into this game. But. Michigan's got the complete teamness to them, kind of like Georgia. They're the the Georgia, the Big Ten. Ohio State's kind of like the Alabama, the Big Ten. It, it's interesting because I I like Michigan's just sturdiness everywhere, all across the board. You know, they had two quarterbacks this year. Obviously, McNamara left, but still, you know, just rock solid. And what I like about Michigan. Over TCU is, well, TCU is a little bit fraudulent. They're kind of like the Minnesota Vikings of college football. You know, just getting by every single game, quarterback injuries on the other team. Minnesota, you know, all those one-score games that they win. Well, that's kind of like what TCU was this year. Now, TCU is good, though. I mean, when I say that, I say maybe compared to, like, the Michigans, the Georgias, the Alabamas, the Ohio States, the Clemsons, maybe. Um in general, but it's Michigan was here before, right? They got that experience, and I think that's freaking huge. The Wolverines have a 0.7 net yards per play advantage over TCU. They went higher in success rates. Um, Donovan Edwards has been a beast at running back, 7.45 yards per carry. Not worried about him. I just trust Michigan more. I don't really want to lay points yet. I have Michigan 
power rated minus 11 in this game. But I think that you're going to get some public TCU money. I think TCU is going to be a public dog, and it might be enough to push this line a little bit. I don't think there's a lot of sharp betters that are looking to lay 7.5 either. So I do expect this to get down to 7. But I also think that uh, the first half's a great look, like minus 3.5, even up to minus 4. I would possibly lay with Michigan here in the first half. I know Michigan doesn't usually start games off that well, but neither has TCU. TCU's had to make a ton of comebacks themselves this year. But what I like about Michigan in the first half, they're not going to have the butterflies as bad as TCU is because Michigan's been there before and they took that big L last year against Georgia. That's probably going to be on all of their minds. I'm going to take Michigan minus four, we'll call it, in the first half. Uh, lean to the under. And we'll do the minus four for 2.5 stars. Next game, the Peach Bowl, Georgia versus Ohio State. Ohio State still plus six and a half. This has been frozen. Total 62 and a half. Man, I, I just don't understand how good this is for the books, how they just put out the perfect freaking number here. You know, it, it, it hasn't budged. It, it usually it's off a little bit, you know, and the market kind of massages it, but it is locked in at plus six and a half here. And uh, it's saying, screw you power ratings. We believe Georgia is almost a touchdown better with an extra point over Ohio State. If you look at ESPN's, FPI, they're going to have, and I'm just going to tell you what the spread would be if that was up to them. The The spread would be 2.9 points. Georgia would be favored by 2.9 points on a neutral. I guess if you want to give them home field, give it four points or something like that, maybe four and a half, right? Uh, team rankings has Georgia 0.9 points better than Ohio State, Okay. Let's see what Sagarin has right here. I know it's close. Don't give me basketball. They have Ohio State by, or sorry, they have Georgia by 2.9 points. So literally, none of the power ratings and the efficiency rankings have it at 6.5. Is Smith and the Jigbo worth 6.5? Probably not. He hasn't played all year. You know, I think it's a massive loss to have Smith Bajiga just not there in your back pocket. I think a lot of people were just kind of too timid to move their power ratings because they knew he could come back. And I know he's probably not worth exactly a ton to the point spread, but he's worth something. You know, he's that other receiver that's great. Ohio State's got Travion Henderson out. Mayan Williams is injured. He'll play probably, but he's pretty injured. You know, offensive guard, Matt Jones is injured. I don't know if he's playing. Now, Georgia had the slightly harder schedule, ranking 32nd to Ohio State's 44th. Ohio State's got a very small net yards per play. I mean, they're both over two. They're both awesome, right? Ohio State, 0.2 net yards per play better. But Ohio State's got the running back issues with Henderson out. They have a bad depth there because they lost a kid named Pryor uh, earlier in the season very early, like in August or September. And obviously with uh, Mayan Williams out. So 
they got one big playmaker in Marvin Harrison Jr. I love that. I mean, Ohio State is a fantastic kid, and uh, he's the one that they're going to have to go to. But here's the thing, and this is what I've noticed with Ohio State. When C.J. Stroud has a clean pocket, he's great. And if Georgia doesn't get to C.J. Stroud, they're screwed. <laughs> you know, guaranteed. Georgia has to get to him because it's going to give them time for those crossing routes. And those typical Ryan Day plays, some of them take time to develop, as you know. So, you know, they're going to be going to wide receiver screens. Uh, Harrison had 72 receptions for 1,157 yards now. Uh, Egbuka, he's pretty good too. I mean, 66 receptions for 1,000 yards. He was the guy that was kind of open basically because a lot of times people are focusing too much on Marvin Harrison, so he got to play cleanup. But Georgia's got a pass rush. (laughs) You know, that's really what the whole deal is here. Georgia's number two in uh, offensive line, or sorry, defensive line yards. They're number two. Now, they did lose their pass rusher, their best one, Smith, against Florida. So, I mean, mean, it's Georgia. They got a bunch of four- and five-star guys, but I'm a little concerned for that. If I, that's probably why you're not seeing the line at seven because their pass rush took a hit. I still think they still can probably get to Stroud, being that they're Georgia and they seem to pressure plenty of quarterbacks out there. They have Georgia's got fantastic secondary anyway. You know they got the speed to keep up with Marvin Harrison, uh, Fleming, Igbuka, and all the guys that Ohio State's going to throw at them. But uh, it's also about the offense. Stetson Bennett, he's been fantastic for Georgia. So kind of drives me nuts that he didn't get enough Heisman press. And I already talked a little bit about that. But my power ratings have this minus seven. (laughs) Am I going to bet minus six and a half because mine's minus seven? No. (laughs) I've been waiting for this sharp money to come in and knock this line down, but it hasn't moved. So, you know, I'm probably going to be looking at some props this game and, uh, you know, maybe some pass yards or something for uh, Georgia. Maybe some rushing yards actually might be somewhat decent. Uh, Ohio State is a little bit weak against the deep ball as well as against the run. Well, I mean, they allow 3.4 yards per rush. Georgia allows 2.9. So when I say weak, I don't mean average. I mean compared to uh, playing a team like Georgia. So no play on this one. Just going to look for some props here. I think the number is actually pretty correct right now, but we'll see if it moves. I mean, if it gets to five and a half, I will probably have a little play on Georgia. Let's move on to January 2nd. So this is the ReliQuest Bowl, Illinois versus Mississippi State, Mississippi State plus one, total 46. I'm annoyed. I mean, it sucks, obviously, with Mike Leach and what happened to Mike Leach. I took Illinois before that, uh, before that terrible news came across. But I don't like it as much no more. More guys are holding out for Illinois. Uh, D.D. Snyder's in the transfer portable. One of the running backs, obviously, Chase Brown. They're good running back opt-out. A couple uh, cornerbacks, Devin Witherspoon opted out. Uh, Tavon Nicholson's injured. Uh, I don't like that. You know, Ezekiel Holmes, their linebacker's injured. Sidney Brown, they're good safeties, opting out. <sighs> Mississippi State's got a few opt-outs, too. Uh, well, some transfers at least, uh, Dylan Johnson, uh, K. Travion Hargrove, 
a running, couple running backs there I just mentioned. But, you know, it's not it's not anything major. I mean, obviously, you got to give the strength of schedule to Mississippi State, ranking 17th to Illinois at 52. Uh, Illinois' defense is the best unit on the field, but they also lost their defensive coordinator, Ryan Walters. So everything that happened here, this might be another situation where I might be bailing out of my Illinois bet, but I'm not going to do it until the second. You know, I'm going to see how things go, um, and I might tease uh, Mississippi State with something just to get out of that bet. But like I said, and like I suggested earlier, you should not be teasing college football unless you're getting out of a bad bet at the worst case scenario. The Citrus Bowl, LSU versus Purdue. Purdue plus 15 now, total 56 and a half. Camping World Stadium in Orlando, Florida. LSU's motivations, uh, probably medium. Um, they did lose their chance to get in the playoffs, but uh, I mean, I didn't think this team really knew, thought they were going to be Georgia anyway. Um, there's some kids opting out. I know Jaden Daniels, their uh, quarterback, is a little bit injured, but it's not a ton of opt-outs. I mean, Purdue got hit much worse here with uh, Aiden O'Connell, obviously, opting out. And a couple other guys, Jeff Brom, I mean, the elephant in the room, right? Purdue also lost Corey Trice, one of their cornerbacks, uh, Charlie Jones, one of their receivers. They're going to be out a lot of people. But this line's getting a little out of hand. More and more guys are actually dropping for LSU. Um, just recently added. So I got to add these guys to the article as well, which is... Uh, worrisome they only have like one defensive lineman that actually uh played this year much uh, that's going coming in and i think there's a lot of cornerbacks here they're also opting out ward and garner uh declared for the draft so here's this massive spread and you're really going to get a banged up uh lsu team now it, what's the difference against a coachless brahm team and that's why it's such a big spread I know that Jeff Brom was involved in some of the play calling and everything, but Brian Brom, his brother, is coaching at least. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's not leaving him completely high and dry. I, this is just a, a massive number right now at 14 and a half, 15. So I, I'm close to making a play uh, on uh, Purdue. I'm, I'm going to kind of watch a little bit more and um, see what happens. I, I'm guessing Jaden Daniels does play. He was banged up, but his injury should only – be a couple of weeks, they said, so that should be enough time for him to come back. But this is just uh, a bad play, I think, would be on LSU with Chip Kelly. I mean, Brian Kelly being five and nine, five and nine against the spread. So strong team, strong lean to Purdue here, even though you know they're not going to have a lot of uh, normal players in this game either. Let's move on to the Cotton Bowl Classic. USC versus Tulane. Tulane plus two and a half, total 62. USC shouldn't be that motivated here. <laughs> I think uh, they blew their chances in the playoffs. And I, I just don't think that, uh, you know, they have anything to gain by beating Tulane, but they do have something to lose. So it does put them in that situation. Do they care? I don't know. Tulane's motivation can be very high. You know, they're, they're going to keep those good feelings going. Now, I know they won the... American Athletic Conference, so maybe there's some let down there, but I put medium high. I think that's fair. And uh, 
neutral field, really. Uh, I, I suppose the crowd's probably going to go for Tulane in Arlington, Texas at the AT&T Stadium. You know, why would they not go for Tulane? Actually, Tulane's pretty close to, uh, uh, I mean, closer, right, than USC. I think there's a lot of USC fans around the nation, but uh, I'm thinking the crowd's going to go with the dog here, you know, the small school. Caleb Williams is still banged up. I think he's going to play, but... Uh, uh, there's a couple other guys, some offensive line that, uh, you know, USC lost. They have a couple guys like Andrew Voorhees, their best guard is gone. They have center Brett Nalen that's injured, so they won't be playing. Uh, wide receiver Addison is going to miss the bowl game. That's huge. Jordan Addison is their best guy. So th- there's just a lot of key guys that are bad out for USC. And USC also just didn't have any defense this year. They sucked. Absolutely sucked on defense. I think Tulane can move the ball. You know, you're getting a pretty high total here, uh, 68 and a half. Probably a little too high for me looking at all the opt-outs, but um, I think Tulane's going to score. Uh, I'm going to wait for USC money to come in, and then I'm going to hit Tulane. Uh, I, I think that Tulane, let's just say perfectly healthy, I would only have – USC minus six, minus seven, uh, without the health, uh, obviously best, uh, ta- best receivers, best offensive linemen, a couple other guys on defense that's opting out for USC got to lean two lane here. So we'll wait f- for the plus three and we'll take them for a couple stars. Finally, the grand daddy of them all, the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California. Uh, Utah is a two-point favorite. Totals 52. Utah's motivation is going to be high. Penn State's motivation is going to be high. There's a few opt-outs, obviously. Both teams' best pass catchers are out with uh, Parker Washington. Uh, for Penn State, Utah's got uh, tight end Dalton Kincaid out. And then their best corners are out, cornerback Clark Phillips for Utah and Penn State's Joey Porter Jr. So that's nothing out of the ordinary these days, but still going to be a great game. I think that the strength schedule is about equal around 41, 42. Penn State's got a .4 net yard per play advantage. Utah should have the best unit in the field, in my opinion, in their offense. But how much does it downgrade them with Kincaid out is the big question. From a side perspective, I mean, it's who do you trust more, Franklin or Whittingham or Clifford or Rising? You know, I think there's the answer goes to Utah for both of it. I'm going to trust Whittingham over Franklin. I'm going to trust Cameron Rising over Sean Clifford. Now, Sean Clifford's going to take off running. But what I do know is that Utah gives up a ton of rushing yards to quarterbacks. You saw that against Florida. You saw that against UCLA. You saw that against Oregon and USC. So because of that, I see a ton of points in this game. I like the over 52. I took that for 2.5 stars. It's just swimming with bow-legged women. Let's hope that this Rose Bowl is exciting as last year's when Utah played Ohio State. Let's move on to NFL Week 17. Oh, my God. I'm watching this Kansas-Arkansas game, and they just got the onside kick down eight points and scored another touchdown. Kansas scored two touchdowns 
in like 30 seconds um, in this game. Maybe it was like more of a minute, but Jesus, they're back and they get the two-pointer and it's tied. I mean, I was going to lose my side and my total. Now I at least get the total over 38 to 38. Just absolutely insane. Anyways, NFL week 17. Let's start right away with the Monday night game. Cowboys versus Titans. And this line keeps creeping higher and higher. But it's very justified. First of all, there's a ton of injuries on the Titans. A bunch of guys can't play. Zach Cunningham, uh, Bud Dupree, Dylan Cole, a bunch of those linebackers there. Monty Hooker, the safety's out. Um, a couple offensive linemen, uh, Petet Freire. It's just like I kind of predicted. I I didn't think the Titans were going to be all that motivated here, and they're probably resting up to make the playoffs by beating the Jaguars the final game. That's what that game's all about. So this is up to 12 now. I took it at minus 9.5, but, man, I guess I wouldn't wouldn't hate taking it at 12. I'm not going to give it out at 12, but um, I certainly lean it at 12 with all these opt-outs. It's going to be Malik Willis playing this game. Probably Derrick Henry, but he's actually now doubtful, it looks like, with his hip. So he might not play. Jesus, uh, this is a complete foldover for the Tennessee Titans. I love the Cowboys here. I took them at minus 9.5, though. Next game, Denver Broncos versus Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs minus 12.5, total 45. This is the old cold fire coach angle when Hack got fired. I I, I really think he was the cancer to this team. I don't. I do think Russell Wilson's overrated, but I think he's poorly coached. I didn't think he was coached well with Pete Carroll, and he's definitely not coached well now because he's not using his legs. It's not like he's very fast like he used to be, but he's not slow. He can still move. He's got to be opening up passing lanes by the threat of the run, and so you know they need to use him properly. And uh, maybe the next coach can figure this out. But the whole coach gets fired angle, the rest of the team kind of usually stands up and plays a little bit. You know, I think it's very important that they get their heads out of their asses, and uh, this might be the game to do it. And you know the Kansas City, they are very vulnerable. There's many times that the Seattle Seahawks could have backdoored that last week if it wasn't for their complete incompetence. So, um, yeah, I like uh, the Broncos some if some of these guys get off the questionable tag. There's a ton of them. All three receivers, Kendall Hinton, Jerry J.D., uh, Cortland Sutton, all questionable. If they're out, then <laughs> probably going to stay away. There's a bunch of defense that's also in the questionable status as well. So they're pretty banged up there in Denver. Don't want to uh, jump to any plays right now um, with limited information. Now for the next game, the Saints versus the Eagles. Uh, Eagles minus six total 43.5 another game with limited information because Jalen Hurts hasn't practiced yet so he's possibly out I mean Minshew did a wonderful job well good job last week he did throw a pick or two one of them wasn't his fault but uh, you know this is a situation where the Eagles can close it out get home field advantage and another situation where the Saints are desperate the Saints have a shot at winning the division still. <laughs> They're not out of it. Um, obviously, Carolina, Tampa is going to make a mark. If Carolina can win, it probably helps the Saints' chances. But uh, they're going to be motivated to play this game. The question is, of course, my downgrade from uh, Minshew to Hertz is only about two and a half points. 
I think this spread should probably be seven and a half or eight points. My number is actually 7.75. So it's, uh, you know, a situation where it's almost the correct downgrade. I just want to see how far this goes down. If it hits five and a half, I probably have to start getting a little bit more interested in the side of the Eagles here. I mean, the Eagles are well put together football team. They, you know, obviously gave up some points and some passing yards to Dallas last week, but that, that defense can remember that and they're going to try to step it up uh, coming in this week, clinch that uh, home field advantage for the playoffs. Jaguars, Texans, I still kind of think from what I said earlier in the week that the Jaguars might kind of coast through this game a little bit. Uh, they don't improve their chances much of making the playoffs they could there's a still a path where they could get that last wild card spot from the new england patriots the miami dolphins or the jets but i believe the miami and the patriots might have the nod over the jacksonville jaguars so it would take uh you know them obviously having a worse record so one of them's gonna win this week because they're playing each other so New England or Miami will win this week against each other, and the Jets are probably going to win, which the Jaguars actually do have the the playoff say over the Jets anyway because they have the tiebreaker. So highly motivated game. I mean, my number is probably Jaguars minus six, minus six or six and a half at Houston. But it's just a situation where I think that Houston might cover based upon the Jaguars getting ready for the big game against the Titans. Colts first Giants. So New York needs this win to get in the playoffs. It's a big spot for them. The Colts are just kind of in shambles lately going from quarterback to quarterback. They're all really bad over there. Foles is bad. Uh, Matt Ryan's obviously bad. And Sam Ellinger doesn't belong in the NFL. <laughs> All three of these guys are just a disaster. I hate to say it, Matt Ryan's better than Nick Foles. He's better than Sam Ellinger. He just, you know, doesn't have what it takes to be a good NFL quarterback. It's not saying much to say he's better than them. But the problem is, is that they're starting Nick Foles. Matt Ryan's pretty much DFA'd, as they say in baseball, right? But, you know, Zach Moss is going to be running the ball. He's doing a decent job with the Jonathan Taylor injury. Deion Jackson is doing okay. Uh, they still have their health, mostly. Um, Mo Alley Cox, Jelani Woods, they got most of their offensive line, except for Connor o- Carter O'Donnell that hurt himself earlier. This is a really weird game. I, I don't want to lay points with a Giants team, my number is actually three and a half. If Matt Ryan was quarterbacking, if it's Nick Foles, it's probably like five and a half. So another situation where I'm probably not going to get involved. I suppose teasing the Giants, or, or sorry, a money line play in the Giants wouldn't be the worst idea if you were going to do a parlay. Maybe put a couple must-win teams together. The Giants maybe with the Niners or like maybe... The Chiefs, you're not going to get, obviously, much juice on that big spread with the Chiefs. But, you know, a team like that, that's going to possibly win their game as well. All right, well, Kansas got me the cover. Really crazy ending to that game. Nasty targeting call on Arkansas. And the guy did lower his head to stop 
Jalen Daniels from scoring, but it's like, what are you supposed to do there? It's just such an ugly call. I guess maybe it was a makeup for that uh, holding call against Kansas that was kind of Bush League. But either way, that game was just super exciting. I'm now 2-1 and one today in college football with one pending at Texas Tech Plus, the four points. Let's move on to the next game. You have the Panthers versus the Bucks, and I have a play on this one for you guys. I mean, what do you do when two bad teams play each other? You take the points. The Buccaneers are more fraudulent than Sam Bankman fried and Bernie Madoff volunteering at a soup kitchen. Um, <laughs> Tampa Bay's strengths used to be stopping the run. Used to be. This year, due to all the in- injuries, they only rank 19th in opponent rush EPA, while the Pan- Panthers are 7th at 4.7 yards per rush. Carolina ranks 22nd overall in offensive EPA, Tampa Bay's 23rd, and they also bust the Bucks. And defense VPA throughout the season, 17th to Tampa Bay's 19th. So actually, metrically, Carolina's a little bit better of a team than Tampa. I have Tampa winning this game, though, by 2.7 points. But you also have to remember, Tampa Bay just lost their best offensive tackle in Josh Wells. That's going to be a very difficult injury for Brady. Um, I see past to victory here for the Panthers. I think... This could come down to three points. Tampa Bay plays all their games very close, it seems. So I'm going to grab the points here. I I also took uh, took this at four, uh, four and a half, I believe. I took it uh, early in the week, but I like it at three. Here's the thing. I'm going to have you wait this out. I think more Tampa Bay money is going to come in and uh, probably push this line back in some books to three and a half. Get the hook on this one. Take the Carolina three and a half for two stars. Get busy living or get busy dying. That's goddamn right. The Bears against the Lions. Lions minus six. Total is 52. I don't know why the Bears are not a seven plus. dog here i i guess it's probably because it's a revenge spot and the lions have no defense <laughs> here's the problem the bears are completely bashed absolutely injured they all have second rate players minus justin fields i don't like justin fields playing anymore i think it should be benching justin fields why give him a nasty injury you know uh there's no reason to play justin fields you should be competing for that last draft pick i wonder if that's on the gm's mind at all uh, when, I, when I say last, last place with Texans to get the first draft pick, right? But, you know, I mean, metrically, I have the Lions winning this game by 6.3 points. I took this at five and a half. So um, I do like the Lions here. But if I factor in the fact that Jack Sanborn's now gone, uh, if I go through some more of the Bears injuries list, it's going to be pretty bad. Uh, you have Equimus St. Brown is hurt. His brother obviously plays for the uh, Lions, and he's going to have a huge game, so I would bet on him. Uh, Chase Claypool is a non-participant in practice. He's listed as questionable. He's probably not going to play. You know, uh, Vildor, their cornerback, is injured. Jalen Johnson, their other cornerback, is out. You know, Eddie Jackson's been out for a couple games, and he's out for the season. It's just a banged-up Bears team. And uh, 
they have a pretty good offensive line, but I, I don't see them competing much here. They'll probably put up some points. The over is probably not the worst look. It's a pretty high total. Uh, I believe 51 and a half in some books. This one's 52. But I, I'm going to lean to the lines for you. Unless you find a five and a half, then I would make the play. The Dolphins versus the Patriots. Very interesting situation with Tua playing through a concussion last week. Still waiting for uh, heads to roll on that one. I'm also concerned about some of the offensive line for Miami with Armstead banged up. Obviously, uh, Eric Fisher is questionable as well. They just lost Austin Jackson's earlier in the week, or sorry, the earlier in the month. They have some safeties that are questionable. Jalen Phillips, their really good linebacker, and Bradley Chubb is also very questionable. So, you know, they're pretty decimated here. Uh, I wish that uh, they didn't lose some of their secondary, like Byron Jones, earlier in November. Uh, obviously, Eric Rowe is also banged up. I I think that the Dolphins are a better team than the Patriots in general, not by a lot. The Dolphins have been really bad the last four or five games. They also had a very hard schedule, as you notice. They just gave that game away. But, you know, this is the time they really have to step up here. But the Patriots aren't a must-win, too, to make the playoffs. You know, the playoff picture is kind of interesting here. Because if the Patriots do win this game, you know, it, it ties them with the Dolphins at 8-8. Eight and eight. But then the Patriots have the Bills next week, and the Bills are probably going to still have to play for home field, being that the Chiefs are 12-3. and three. The Chiefs are favored by 12 points, right? You assume they're going to win. So it's going to be rough for the Patriots at 8-8, uh, eight and eight, and the Dolphins might uh, win that final game uh, at home against the Jets. <laughs> so the Dolphins have a path. To making the playoffs at uh, nine and eight, and I believe they also would have the not over the Jaguars, the tiebreaker. I believe the whole thing for me here. I laid the money line at minus one twenty, minus one twenty five on the Patriots. It's all the way up to minus one sixty five now with the Tua injury. But I will say that Teddy Bridgewater isn't a massive step down. He's a good backup. Don't get me wrong, he's burned me before. But if this gets three and a half, I I don't trust Matt Patricia. <laughs> and, uh, I would probably take the Dolphins. Uh, I would buy back on the Dolphins if this gets three and a half. I think you might see a three and a half too. So I'm kind of waiting on this game. I mean, pure numbers-wise, I have the Patriots and Miami pretty close. Believe it or not, I have the Patriots favored by about a point if uh, everybody was healthy. So... I just think that the step down from Tua, with how bad Tua's been playing, isn't major to uh, Bridgewater, especially in this big situation. So I would buy it back. But right now at the three, it's a pretty good number, I think. Where Miami is vulnerable is against the pass, and you saw that with Aaron Rodgers last week, uh, giving up 244.7 pass yards a game. But that's not uh, New England's forte. I mean, they can throw it to Ramondre Stevenson. And he really blew blew their chances last week. But, you know, that's about it. They don't have that good of receivers out there. Jacoby Myers, Thornton, hell no. Cleveland versus the Washington Commanders. And Commanders are minus two and a half. The total is 40. 
Looks like Carson Wentz is going to be starting this game. It's almost like this Washington team forgot how bad Carson Wentz was all of a sudden after a month or so. <laughs> um, I don't know who to trust in this game. I, I know that the commanders aren't that good. I, I know that Cleveland's not that good either. But this is a low total of 40 points. And Cleveland, they can run the ball well with Chubb. And they can run the ball well with uh, uh, Kareem Hunt. But the problem is that Washington's got a pretty good rush defense. They're number eight in rush EPA. So it, it might be decided with Deshaun Watson's passing. Now, the, this team sucked last week against the Saints, and they sucked at home. But they should get a little bit better weather now. Uh, this week doesn't look terrible for weather, as I should have mentioned so far. It's uh, going to be rainy at some of these games. It actually might rain at this game. Um, but Cleveland's rush defense is pretty bad, and that's where Washington's probably going to have to attack them. And so I lean Washington just based upon running the ball. I think Washington could possibly win this game uh, by rushing the ball if they do it correctly with uh, B. John Robinson there, right? But I, I, this this is almost a coin flip. I have this game pretty close to pick them, so I'm going to tease this game. I'm going to tease uh, the Cleveland all the way up to 8.5, and, and you'll see what my other half of the teaser is a little bit later. Next game, you have the Jets versus the Seahawks. The uh, Seahawks plus 1.5 total is 42 and a half another situation where the teaser comes into play because the Seahawks at home low total uh one and a half so you can get it past the seven you know Mike White's gonna be playing for the Jets both teams are desperate to make the playoffs Seattle's really <laughs> hurt themselves obviously now that they're playing the tougher part of their schedule their chances to make the playoffs are pretty low but, you know, both teams are going to try to win because I think the loser of this probably gets knocked out of the playoffs completely. So because of that, um, I think that's going to be a pretty hard-fought game for both sides. Seahawks look like a good teaser leg. Now, the Jets have a very good defense, so that's why you see a low total here. What can Mike White do on the road? I don't know. He's been pretty good. He's better than Zach Wilson, but his red zone percentage has been pretty bad. So this could be a, just a smelly, ugly type of game. I think that I lean the Jets to win it. I mean, my number on this game is the Jets minus 2.5 points. So I'm very close to the spread. There you go. Jets minus 2.5 points. The Arizona Cardinals at the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons are laying three points here. The total is, where did my total go? Uh, 42. <laughs> very, very ugly situation. Um, now, Colt McCoy's back, so there's an upgrade at quarterback for the Cardinals. It's not a massive upgrade. The Cardinals still have a terrible defense. Falcons are still playing for their division. So the Cardinals can kind of play a little bit of a spoiler here. Yet, um, the Falcons, you know, they don't have a great quarterback, Desmond Ritter, and, you know, it's, he's still young and 
still uh, trying to figure some things out. So I doubt that you're going to see good quarterback play really on either side of this game. And that's why you have a dome game with such uh, low total here. Now, the path to victory for Atlanta is really rushing the football. They average 4.9 rushing yards per attempt. Obviously, some of that was with Mariota. And the Arizona gives up 4.6. So, you know, if they do that all day, they should be fine. I just don't know if uh, Arizona could uh, backdoor this and uh, possibly capitalize on a few good passes. I mean, Atlanta gives up 7.4 passing yards per attempt. So I could see some success here. With the Colts, it's it's a pretty good spread, uh, minus three, minus one twenty. I almost think it's a perfect spread because my number's three point two. You know, I honestly have it at uh, three point two, and uh, it's exactly where my number is. So we'll pass on that one. Uh, next game, the 49ers versus the Raiders. Niners are up to minus ten. Total is forty one point five. This one's been all over the freaking board. First it was at six, then it went to five, then kind of back to six. And then all of a sudden it jumps up to 10 with the news of Derek Carr not being started. It looks like they're going with Stidham the rest of the year. Derek Carr's being benched. It's probably not even going to show up to the facility, I'm hearing. Apparently, uh, Derek Carr will probably be traded or cut. I I would think that why would you trade for someone that's, you know, mediocre and he's getting paid $33 million next year? Uh, Maybe the Raiders pay some of that. I, I I don't know. Which team would do that rather than pick him off waivers and make a, uh, not waivers, uh, wait till he's a free agent and then pay for him then, you know, don't pick up the contract. So I can see the Colts doing that. I could see, you know, maybe the Texans doing that. Uh, Carr's really not that bad of a quarterback. And I threw out a bunch of quarterbacks that are worse than him. A couple of them people didn't agree with, like Daniel Jones. I think they're close. Um... Daniel Jones had worse QBR the last three years by far than Derek Carr did. Of course, Daniel Jones had a terrible coach for most of those years. But look at Carr. He's got a terrible coach now, or at least a bad coach, Josh McDaniels. He hasn't shown me that he's a good coach. And uh, Derek Carr also lost uh, Waller, Waller, the tight end, for most of the year. And Renfro played only eight or nine games out of you know the 15. So... Um, I think this is a interesting spread because of that. It's a four-point downgrade according to the Las Vegas market. Uh, probably the actually the whole NFL market, let's just say. You don't have to say Vegas no more, being that half the states are legalized for sports betting. <laughs> you know, it's, a, it, it's four points is probably generous. Um, the problem with the Niners is it's kind of like I said before. They don't need to blow this team out. They don't. You know, they just need to stay healthy and uh, get to the playoffs. Um, so I don't trust the Niners completely in this situation. So, you know, you wonder what the team's going to do. They're going to rally around Stidham and try to get a win. You know, they're, they're at home and 10-point dogs. It's pretty big spread. There you go. Green Bay Packers hosting Minnesota Vikings. Minus three, total is 48. I already gave this out as a free play in the Vikings at the plus three and a half. Um I think that the Vikings are just uh, no worse than the Packers. You know, the Packers look good now because Tua blew it last game. And uh, Packers are racking up a few wins against some bad teams. So (laughs) I can't give the Packers too much credit here. 
But at the same time, the Vikings are winning their games and they're winning their one score game. So why why would I not take them as a dog here? You know, now it's down to three. A lot of people missed their opportunity. You know, I almost think that uh, you know, if they're not going to cover three points, they can probably get blown out anyway. You know, it's like uh, uh, I think the Vikings could win this game. I, I don't mind them in a money line play. You know, it's another situation where they can come in and win a close one. I, I will say that this team is weird and they play great when they're down and terrible when they're ahead. Probably going to come down to the last drive. Pretty big total of 48 points. I think you should play a little money line there. Sprinkle that money line. Uh, plus 155 in some of these books right now. So um, the Packers very vulnerable against the run. The Packers a little vulnerable against the pass. Obviously, you got to stay away from Jari Alexander. And, you know, Kirk Cousins can kind of do both. I don't think Kirk Cousins much better than Derek Carr, actually, in my rankings. But I think that uh, Aaron Rodgers is, you know, a little bit... A little bit rough around the edges lately. I know that the Packers are playing with uh, lots of motivation now. But the Packers have a pretty big weakness um, against the run, allowing five rushing yards per attempt. So, you know, you think that Delvin Cook should be able to have a great a great rushing games. I will say that the Vikings, you know, not great either against the rush or the pass. You know, you, you know everyone knows Vikings are that team that – has allowed more points than they scored, yet they are 12-3. and three. Probably the most fraudulent 12-3 and three team I've seen in a long time. Maybe ever. Uh, but, you know, a team that's 12-3 and three usually has a positive yards per play. The Vikings are minus .6 yards per play, while the Packers are minus .3 yards per play. So there you go. A little bit of an edge in some of the metrics for the Packers, yet this is what the Vikings do. The L.A. Rams versus the L.A. Chargers. L.A. versus L.A., baby. We have plays on this one. And, yes, I said plays, plural. Uh, the battle for the L.A.'s is on. The funny thing is that motivation is starting to really creep in. The Chargers clinched a playoff spot on Monday night with an easy win versus a very coachless and quarterbacks quarterbackless coach team. How much motivation are they going to go from seven to number five I guess it's probably good to avoid the Bills or the Chiefs but I I mean I think that the Bills or the Chiefs or the Bengals you know one of them is going to be in third place (laughs) so they're going to be playing uh you know the sixth team in the wild card (laughs) one of those teams is it sucks to play anyway so let's say you get off the seven yeah not that much of an upgrade. I mean, the Bills, the, the Bengals, and the Chiefs are all really damn good teams. Anyway, um, and, and, and it's not like you're thinking that, you know. I, I don't think there's a ton of motivation for this part. But here's another thing. Baker Mayfield, he's playing with some house money himself. He knows he can get a quarterback here. I mean, a contract here, right? He can win a big contract if uh, he's playing well. And uh, it could be. You know, maybe the Rams pay him a little bit. Maybe the Rams say we want you to play with Stafford, and uh, Stafford's really banged up. I, I'm surprised that he, you know, yeah, I can see him hanging it up soon. Um, probably gonna move somewhere, but you know, you know, May, Mayfield's played very, very well under McVay. The Chargers only ranked 19th in offensive EPA. The Rams are 29th. 
so it's not like the Chargers are great. I know they were injured for a lot of the year, but on defense, the Bolts rank uh, 15th in defense. VPA, the Rams rank 16th. You know, the Rams have been banged up and everything, but this could be a much closer game than 6.5. I think the Rams are going to have some pride here and say, this is our home field, you know? Um, I took the Rams. I, I took them at the 7. I like them at 6.5, too. I think the Rams... Uh, Keep this a very close game, and they're just kind of playing with pride now. It's uh, they're the Super Bowl champs. They're not going to make the playoffs. Um, are they mathematically out of the playoffs? I think they're mathematically out of the playoffs, but uh, I, I doubt that they care. Uh, I think that they're going to uh, put a little bit of an effort out here to finish six and eleven, seven and ten, something like that. Um, over, I, I like six and a half, and I like over forty and a half. The Rams' defense isn't that great, and both teams should be able to put points on each other. I, I, I'm taking over 40 and a half for two stars and uh, take the Rams plus 6.5 for two stars as well. The only thing I'm addicted to right now is winning. Next game, the Steelers versus the Ravens. <clears throat> the Ravens are minus two and a half. The total is 35. It's getting down and down. I mean, this game's close every single year, I feel. Yet my metrics want me to take the Baltimore Ravens. I'm not going to lie. My numbers have the Ravens minus 6.5. It's a big spread, but that's if Lamar plays. This Huntley downgrade is getting worse and worse every single week, and I think I, I agree that it probably should be 2.5 and and to 3. You know, I think this market is correct. I also think the Steelers are a wonderful Wonderful teaser leg this week at plus two and a half. So um, once again, I'm probably going to be playing some multiple teasers here. I don't know exactly my combinations yet, but um, I really like the teaser leg here with the Steelers at the plus uh, two and a half. So think about that. Uh, I I do think Lamar doesn't play, uh, I, and so this could only you know even get a little bit better for you. And finally. The Buffalo Bills versus the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are plus one. Total is 49.5. The Bengals have been amazing. Buffalo is obviously amazing. I've been back and forth on this game, but I'm really leaning Buffalo here. Um, My numbers say Buffalo minus 2.9. Those are my straight numbers, but you have to factor in Cincinnati hasn't been healthy for some of the time. I mean, the Bills haven't been the healthiest team either, but I think the Bills are getting a little bit Healthier kind of towards the end. Uh, the Here's the thing. The Bills know that they needed that home field advantage, right? They needed that. They let Kansas City back in the game last year at Kansas City. It's very important. And uh, Micah Hyde's kind of now um, working out uh, at practice, and uh, he might be back. I think that... Uh, now, the Bills are in je- just besides the A.J. Espinessa um, injury and the Von Miller injury, you know, they've been pretty healthy. But here's some really good news A.J. Espinessa was full participant in practice. So he's probably coming back too. They're just getting healthier and healthier. I like the Bills a lot. I think they do win this game. I, I like the Bengals. Don't get me wrong. The Bengals are. A very legit playoff contender. They could easily get to the Super Bowl again. Uh, Joe Burrow is a winner. 
Uh, but uh, I think that the Bills just straight power should win this game. My problem is the Bills it, somehow they choke up, choke it up at the end. You know, it, it really drives me nuts, and that's probably another reason why this spread's not three and it's one. Uh, you've seen the Bills give these big games up in the past. Josh Allen makes some stupid turnover right in the goal line. He's been doing that a lot this year. I trust. I actually trust Burrow more. But uh, I like I, I like the coaching more for the Bills with McDermott uh, over Taylor. So um, I, I think the Bills are going to win this game. I, I wouldn't mind if you took them at the minus one. Uh, I'm sure the Bengals are going to be a very popular teaser leg too, uh, if you can find the ones and the halves and the twos. So keep that in mind. I, I think this could be a one score game. It might be not the worst thing in the world to take like the Bills money line and find the teaser leg to take you past seven on the uh on the Bengals side of things all right my friends now it is time for our refuse to lose teaser and our refuse to lose teaser has been doing very well now we're 10 to 5 and 1 if you remember we were 1 4 and 1 earlier this season and we won nine of the last 10 teaser plays for refuse to lose teasers which is awesome but what we're going to do is tease those Steelers from plus two and a half to plus eight and a half this team is very motivated for Mike Tomlin they want him to be above 500 love that end of the teaser and then the other end of the teaser I'm going to take the Cleveland Browns to plus eight and a half themselves I'm going to stay right in the AFC North here Browns versus Commanders, low total. Deshaun Watson getting better and better and better. Abso-freaking-lutely, my friends. Take that for two stars. Hey, nice clothes, gentlemen. I didn't know the Salvation Army was having a sale. (laughs) (laughs) Now it is time for The Sharp Side of the Force. The Sharp Side of the Force is brought to you by Betfred.com. For 250 bucks worth of free bets, please visit Betfred. Use the promo code ADDS23. Terms, conditions, and location apply. All right. Let's start out with some sharp college football here. So, obviously, the Florida State's getting hit harder and harder. It's all the way up to minus 9.5, minus 10 in some books. 76% of the tickets, 85% of the money. Sharp money on Washington. Woo, glad I grabbed that four. It's down to three, plus four down to plus three, 74% of the tickets, 96% of the money. And then that big Texas-Washington game we're going to be watching. Uh, we also have some sharp money. A little bit on uh, Alabama now. It's starting to pile up a little bit, minus five and a half to minus six and a half here. 66% of the tickets, 70% of the money. Just want to mention that movement. It keeps going up a little bit. Sharp money on Iowa, pick them to minus two, 60% of the tickets, 76% of the money. You have some sharp money on LSU versus Purdue. Now, this went from minus six and a half to minus 15, so no more value there, but 75% of the tickets, 97% of the money. Boy, the books are going to need Purdue in this game. (laughs) I mean, look at this North Carolina-Oregon game. It's like a... One point game right now, so that's that's a massive spread that's obviously being covered. 
Um, and then obviously Penn State, Utah, plus one to minus two and a half for Utah, 47% of the tickets, 57% of the money, sharp totals. And man, I was happy with my uh, Kansas versus Arkansas total here. So, I mean, a lot of these unders kind of got hit, but there's some buyback happening on the under for Texas versus Washington. That thing went all the way up to six, seven and a half. Now, it looks like there's some interest in the under. Pittsburgh versus UCLA was hit to the under, under 47, uh, 57.5 down to 53.5, 45% of the tickets, 75% of the money. And the uh, Tennessee versus Clemson under 64 down to 63 and a half, 58% of the tickets, 98% of the money. You know I like that one. And then uh, TCU versus Michigan under 16 and a half down to 58 and a half, 39% of the tickets, and 79 percent of the money so that's about it for sharp totals here let's move on to the nfl uh we have some sharp money in the nfl a little bit on the commanders from minus one and a half to minus two and a half 50 percent of the tickets 89 percent of the money and sharp money on the texans plus four and a half down to plus four 48 percent of the tickets 80% of the money sharp money in the New York Giants, minus three to minus six, but there's some buyback, so it's at 69% tickets, 69% of the money. Uh, sharp money on the Rams from plus eight to plus six and a half, 52% of the tickets, 99% of the money, and of course the 49ers, a lot of that was just book movement, though. They pull it and put it back on. 39, uh, you know, the Niners were plus six to plus uh, or minus six to minus 10, 79% of the tickets, 87% of the money. Sharp NFL totals, Cowboys, Titans under 44 and a half, 39 and a half, 32% of the tickets, 84% of the money. Uh, Browns commanders under 42.5 to 40.5, 65% of the tickets, 90% of the money. And then you have the Cardinals versus Falcons over 40 to 42, 33% of the tickets, 81% of the money. Pretty big difference on that one. And Bears versus Lions kind of moved to the over, but it's pretty equal in 63% tickets, 59% of the money, actually. And that's about uh, it for NFL. That's your sharp money. My friends, if you have any questions for our Monday mailbag, I'd love to hear from you. Please email us at info at theosbreakers.com. If you haven't yet, please subscribe and write a review a five-star review on your itunes or spotify it helps us greatly if you do that i very much appreciate it i hope you enjoy all the big bowl games this weekend all of the nfl most importantly i hope you have a very happy new year and just spend it with family and friends and just enjoy your time to the amount of the fullest thank you so much for being there for this year we will be moving into season seven for 2023. Go get some winners.